I wonder, can you recall your first driving lessons? Maybe they were with a parent or an older sibling or a friend, or maybe you splashed all out and got professional lessons. Do you remember the awkwardness of it all, the sheer multitasking? Hands at 10 and 2, hands on the gear stick, on the indicator, looking out the front window while you looked out the side window and also out the rear window. Do you recall the awkwardness? I can remember a really tense moment in the car with my dad and I just was getting everything wrong and I was trying to concentrate on all the multitasking and then looking up to discover that I was driving on the wrong side of the road. But it was exciting too. It was like a ticket to freedom. Wasn't reliant on my folks as a taxi anymore. And in some ways it was a shift into adulthood. And eventually I remember being able to master that three-point turn, that emergency stop. I could use the side mirrors, look out the front and the rear mirror all at the same time. This morning, I'm inviting you to look in the rear view mirror. I want to invite you to take some time to look at what is behind you. What are some of the things that have shaped you? Shaped you for good, but also maybe some things that have held you back. I want you to consider how much the past is holding you back rather than propelling you forward. We do this automatically when we're in a car. We, we check what's behind us so that we drive better. It helps us when we want to overtake, we want to turn, or simply when we want to drive well. We check in what's behind us as we move forward, as we move forward further into adulthood, further into this glorious discipleship. We need to take a few moments and look at what is behind us. And sometimes, sometimes we will need to get out of the car, give ourselves longer than a moment to see what's going on but we look back so that we move forward. Will you take some time over this season and look in the rear view mirror? I don't know about you, but I have found this season that we're living in against this backdrop of COVID-19, it's raising lots of questions in my life. What's important? What's my purpose? What's making me happy? And so I'm conscious this morning that I'm raising more questions Speaking into uncharted territory, we've never lived through this before. And I don't really know, we don't really know what it's like or what impact it's having on us. I don't know if you're having a good week or it's been a tough week. And the thought of me asking you to look in the rearview mirror is just a step too far. So building on what Dave shared last week, can we take a few moments can we set the context for these questions and set up some boundaries around this space? Can we remember the why? Why are we asking these questions? We're seeking to be people in Christ. We know enough about ourselves to know we're not just physical beings, we're emotional, spiritual beings. We know that we need to eat and sleep well, but we also need to care for our inner self how we think, how we feel alongside our spiritual self. And so we're asking these questions so that we can be whole in Christ. The invitation isn't to confusion or feeling rudderless. The invitation is to discipleship, to be an emotionally healthy follower of Jesus. The invitation is to life in all its fullness. So as you look back, as you glance in that rearview mirror, give yourself a moment to look ahead. Be reminded of what you are moving towards. 
So as you consider the why, also consider the who. Who are you asking these questions with? First and foremost, you're asking them to and with God. We want to hear his voice, his perspective, his wisdom. And so as we dive in, can I give away the punchline? Do not fear the questions because you are in amazing company. He is able. God is able. But we also need to do this with others. And for some of you, you will fight this. You aren't sure if you want to think about the past. Never mind open it up with others. But we are not built for isolation. And surely that is underlined so much in this season. Don't hide behind personality types, introvert, extrovert. Don't hide behind your pride or your insecurities. Talk with others. I'm not asking you to put it on Instagram or tell a Tesco cashier about your hidden life. Pick one or two people and talk. Do not do this alone. Talk with others. Be honest with others. And some, for some of us, it's talking with friends and family with help. For others, we might need to go a little deeper and need to ask for professional help, pastoral care or counselling. Do not do this alone. With this in mind, tread gently, but tread. We look back so that we can go forward. We consider what is in our rear view mirror so we can understand, so that we can be released, so that we can move forward into the wholeness that God is calling us to. Don't lose sight of the why. Don't lose sight of the who. You're not alone. So let's look in our rear view mirror this morning as we consider our past and the break the power of our past over our lives. We all carry the past with us, don't we? It's there all the time. And, and sometimes it's silent and invisible. And then something happens, it's like we travel back in time. And sometimes we find ourselves reacting and we don't know why. And it's only in the looking back that it makes sense. I, I was in year eight or nine in Oma Academy and I was walking towards, it was either French or English class, uh, the, the two mobiles were beside each other and I remember particularly walking along that side of the path. And I was with my girls. There was a crowd of us all the same year, but different classes. And I don't know how we became friends, but we were a good group. Anyway, I am singing away. And as I recall this, I sang all the time, just to myself, just little bits of songs. I just love music. And then I remember really clearly, one of the girls, exasperated, turned to me and said, Helen, can you stop singing? You're just too high and it's not good. I stopped. I remember being embarrassed. I stopped. I don't know if I had thought about whether I could sing or what my voice was like. I just sang because I like music. I never sang after that, or more accurately, I never sang in public. Now, there was no malice in that comment. I never doubted the truthfulness of the statement. I didn't sing for others, I sang for me, but from that moment, I didn't sing in public. Now, let me put this in some context. Um, there's no disservice to the world around me. I'm not hiding some great voice. In fact, you're probably all better off for not hearing me. I still love music, I still love singing in my car, but that one comment changed me. And I'm standing here today and I'm happy to speak, teach, preach, but ask me to sing and that will be a firm no. 
I share that because there are moments in our past that are impacting us. Things you do not do because of what someone said. Things you believe about yourself because of what someone said or did. What are you not doing because of what someone said? What are you being because of what someone said? What parts of you have you shut off because of others' reactions? Some of these might be small, insignificant, but some of these are significant, and I wonder, might I, might we invite you to draw them into the light? Might you have the courage to let God speak? I thought we might do that this morning with the help of two women. We read of their lives in the New Testament. We get a little snapshot into, snapshot into them with what is and what, uh, what has been going on in their lives. But more than that, we get to see the way Jesus reacts and interacts with these women. And therefore, I would suggest that how he sees them is how he sees us. Because if you're going to consider the past and you're seeking his voice, I think we need to be, I need, we need to be reminded of how he responds. And also he is in the business of transformation. So let me introduce the first one. Uh, she lived in the town of Samaria. Uh, I don't know her name, but down through the years, we have referred to her as a Samaritan woman or the woman at the well. She even got a brief feature last week, as Dave quickly mentioned her too. Uh, Perhaps you remember the story. You can take time afterwards to read it for yourself in John 4. And so John is, Jesus is returning to Galilee and he was tired. And he stopped at the well while the disciples went to get food. It was around midday and not many would have come at this time, but this woman came to draw water, which probably means she was trying to avoid people. And Jesus starts a conversation. He starts it. And they move from talking about water to talking about life's purpose and meaning. And in the middle of it, Jesus calls out her past. She hadn't told him. There was no one around to give him the backstory. He knew and he called it out. He told her, go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you're now with is not your husband. What you've said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see you're a prophet. Jesus knew. He knew her past. He called it out. He called it into attention. He invited her not to hide from it. He acknowledged the truth of it. The woman said, uh, <clears throat> I know that Messiah called Christ. He's coming, and when he comes, he'll explain everything to us. And Jesus declared, I am the one you're talking to. I am he. Jesus let her see him. He let her know him, and it changed her. In fact, if you skip down towards the end of chapter 4, we read many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of this woman's testimony. His knowledge of her past did not make her any less. It made her more. His knowledge of her past did not make her any less. It made her more. It opened up the conversation. It opened up the engagement. And the impact was life-changing. 
It changed this woman, and in turn, she impacted others. I don't know if you're trying to hide from your past, hoping ignorance is bliss. And if you don't talk about it, then he won't know. But he knows. He knows it all. He knew all about this woman. Did it stop him asking her for help? Did it stop him from talking to her? Did it stop her from hearing from him? No, no, and no. Remember, Jesus started this interaction. He asked her for help. He knew all about this woman. He knew who she was. He knew what was going on in her life. He knew all about her past. And guess what? He's still engaged. He still talked. And I have no reason to think he will not act in the same way with you and me. That woman at the well reminds me he knows it all and he does not run. What are you scared of in your past? What are you scared that will, it will disqualify you from his service, from discipleship, from family? Then hear this story. See how Jesus interacts. Watch what happens. Remember why we are looking in the rear view mirror. Because we want to live in the fullness of what he's calling us to. The goal in this is him. It's not self-help. We look at our past so that we can move forward. Maybe, maybe you're scared to look at your past because of how others might react. So let me recall another woman's encounter with Jesus. Again, we don't know her name. She uh, isn't identified by a place, but rather she's identified by her mistake. We know her as the adulterous woman. Would you mind if I gave her a, a name this morning? Because I want us to remember that we are more than a list of our mistakes. And the very way that Jesus interacts with this woman underlines this. So I'm going to call her Lois. You can recall the story, read it for yourself in John chapter 8. We find Jesus in the temple courts. People are gathered around him, probably standing as he sat and taught. And the men brought in Lois. The account says they brought in a woman caught in adultery and made her stand before the group. We know it was a trick question. They had dragged in this woman, shaming this woman, using her as a pawn to try and attempt to trick Jesus. And what happens? Jesus starts to write on the ground with his finger. Can you catch this? He adds no noise to the situation, no shouting, no anger, no displays. He writes on the ground. And also, I can't help but wonder in this moment, is he shifting eyes, uh, shifting the eyes of the men from Lois to him? Shifting the accusatory stares, shifting the judging words to him. Can I stop for a moment and suggest that's what he does with our past? He takes it. He takes it. He takes on your shame, your fear, your judgment. He shifts the blame from you to him. In this moment, can you experience that again? He did this for Lois, but he did this for us at the cross. All our mistakes went on the cross. All our shame, our guilt, our wrongdoing on that cross. 
His death took it all. And now, post-cross, post-resurrection, we live under a different banner. Not a banner of condemnation, but one of life. As you look in that rearview mirror, you may recall emotions of shame and guilt. You might need to work through these, but you need to remember the life he's ushering you into. You are a new creation. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. We don't look back to wallow, to relive condemnation. We look back so we can step further into this new creation. We're complex beings and knowing ourselves takes time. We don't just look in that rearview mirror. We look back again and again so we can move forward. And in certain seasons, we might feel more ready to engage with who we are and who we're becoming. My prayer, our prayer as a church is that in this season, you might think through these things. Let me return to that story of Lois and Jesus. Jesus is writing on the ground. The questions keep coming. The Pharisees and men of the courts keep asking. And it says, Jesus straightened up and he said to them, let any of you who are without sin be the first to throw the stone at her. Wow, it's huge, isn't it? I don't know what you have to deal with in your past. We love a good grading of mistakes, but we're in the same place. We've all made mistakes, haven't we? And there's no room for judgment when healing is on the agenda. So as you listen to each other, as your wife or husband, as a friend lets you in, tells you of their past, just listen. No judgment, no grading because we all have a past. We all have had things happen to us and things that have happened. And the great intervention of Jesus, the truth teller, is he levels the ground and we all simply stand together. And so in this moment, Jesus stoops down and writes on the ground and the crowd dissipates. The older ones go first. Only until Jesus was left with the woman standing there Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Now go and live your life. Now go and leave your life of sin. Did you notice that? He straightened up. And I can't help but wonder, is that so he could look her in the eye and say, Neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. See this story this morning. See the compassion of Jesus. He does not shrink away from the ugly parts of our lives, the ugly parts of us. Even in those moments, God tries to give us dignity. He's looking you in the eye this morning with the same compassion He's looking you in the eye this morning with the same aim, restoration. He's for you. He's turning other eyes from condemning you. He will distract others' glare to give you dignity. He sees the bigger story, past, present and future. See the posture of your saviour.
hear his voice. The goal in this is him, it's maturity. We look back to move forward. We look back to acknowledge a little bit of what has shaped us. As Dave said last week, we look beneath the surface. For the goal is discipleship. The goal is healthiness, whole life healthy. The goal is him. How do you see your past? Could the past be influencing your present, your future? What do you need to draw into the light? You might find it helpful to consider how your family has shaped you. Take time to think about that. And what are the major influences on your life? How has your family shaped you? And what are the major influences on your life? We all carry a backstory. Well, we're all icebergs with much more going on beneath the surface. Going back might help us get unstuck as we move forward. So can I encourage you to ask those questions? How has your family shaped you? What are the major influences on your life? And involve others. Talk this through with others. Do not do this alone. But as you look back, keep glancing in that front window. Don't lose sight of what God is calling you to. Know the presence and the posture of God in all of this. Know what he's calling you to, freedom and wholeness. And I wonder if we acknowledge our past, might we find we know him more? Might we find he is still there? His presence isn't less, in fact, it's more. As I've been thinking about this today and inevitably thinking about my own past, I've been reminded of his presence. And I've realized that he is working in me for the future. He has been placing things in my life that I would need up ahead. I wonder, as you look back, might you find the same? One of the hardest things that I've had to navigate in my life is being being single. Singleness is not a road many travel, especially in church, and so it doesn't get much airtime. And when it's talked about, it's not always positive. But there is an aspect of singleness that can be desperately hard, and that is simply being single. You are alone. Now, I don't want to gloss over hardships that relationships usher in, the hardship of marriage. All relationships bring difficulties. But singleness can make you feel alone. No one is checking in to see how your day has been. No one is buying you that special present at Christmas or on your birthday. No one is sharing the mundane with you. The ordinary, because we need the ordinary, don't we? The cooking meals, the washing the car, the cutting the grass. Singleness can make you feel alone and it can make you feel unloved. No one chose you. No one picked you. No one sought you. And that can be hard and that can be dark, and that can be lonely. You can get into comparisons. Why them, not me? You get into self-doubt. What's wrong with me? Why me? And over the last 20 years, I've had to handle those moments, those questions. And as I was thinking about my past this morning, if there is one thing that God has said to me consistently through my life, in the family that he placed me into, 
and also as he has profoundly spoken into and over my life, it is that I am loved. I am loved. He loves me. And when you know, I know, that the God of this universe loves you, it changes everything. As I look back over the pain of singleness, I'm aware of how much he has been underlining how much I'm loved. Before any of that struck, he found ways to weave that consistently into my life through my 20s and my 30s. It brings me confidence, joy, I'm not defined by my marital status. I am defined by him. I am defined by his love. So as I look back, I see him. I see him placing these moments of gold into my life that would fortify me for the future. And I can't help but wonder if he has done this for me, I am guessing he has done this for you. So we look back so that we might go forward. We ask questions of our past to release us more into the life that he's calling us to. The aim is fullness. We know his transformative work is miraculous. Sometimes it's in an instant and sometimes it takes time. And we might need to roll up our sleeves and dig into that transformation with him, the mess of our past. But he knows our past. How do I know this? Ask the woman of Samaria, the woman at the well. Ask the woman caught in adultery. Ask me. I do not live a life under the banner of the past. I live a life under the banner of his love. So can I invite you to look in that rearview mirror? Look back so that you might be released into the future. Look back so that you might know a little more of him more deeply. Look back so that you will know the true banner under which you live. As I close, can I suggest something? Can I suggest that this week you take this verse um, uh, from Psalm 139? You'll probably have heard it before. And I wonder, might you take this verse and chew on it this week? Might you find it helpful as you look back, as you think about your family, as you think about what influences you, as you try to tune in to what God is saying and doing in your life? Let me read the verses. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Can I suggest you take this verse this week? Chew on it. Chew on it with him. Talk to him. Listen to him. See what comes to your mind and talk with others. Remember, we look back so that we can move forward. Further into that relationship with him and with others. Further into our discipleship. Don't do this alone. Do it with him.